Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Isn't it awesome to hear how God can move and how God can work? It's so exciting. Well, I want to welcome everybody who's here this morning, everybody who's watching online as well. And last week, we started this new series called Margins. And if you missed it, let me catch you up real quick. Last week's message kind of sparked a lot of conversation. You see, I showed this picture up here, and I had a number of people come up to me and say, Brian, I really enjoyed the message, so I went home and I cleaned my closet. I'm like, oh, that's, I'm glad you cleaned it. That's not really what the message was about, but I'm so glad you've got a clean closet. Like, let's, let's just have a little confession time here. How many of you have at least one closet in your house that looks a little like the messy one on the left? Would you raise your hand for everybody? Okay, good. How many of you would say, I like it that way? Just, just be proud. Okay, it's not a problem. <laughs> How many of you would say, whoever's closet that is on the right, they need to go shopping. Like, they, they've got too much space. Any, anybody? Okay. Well, in this series, fortunately, I really don't care what your closet looks like. I just don't want your life to look something like this. Like, I don't want your schedule or your finances to look like this, where there's no margin, there's no room for error, there's no space, there's no breathing room. And so we're talking about this concept of margin. And last week, we defined margin this way. We said margin is the space between our current pace and our limits. Margin is the space between our current pace, how fast we're going, how fast we're spending, and our limits. Because when it comes to our time and our money and our schedules, we all have limits. And when there's no space between the pace and the limits, there's stress, there's anxiety. And it's easy to blame a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, we were created for margin. And so today, we're going to talk specifically about your time and your schedule, because our tendency is to cram everything in and take nothing out, to do so much that we don't enjoy much of what it is we're doing. And here's how to know that you're in trouble in terms of your schedule. Okay, first of all, you say this a lot. You know, I might be uh, 10, 15 minutes late, right? You say that a lot. You text that a lot. Or I might need to leave a few minutes early, or, honey, I'll be at your recital, but I might miss the first seven or eight kids. In fact, when exactly do you perform? Right? Because I want to show up, stand in the back, watch you perform, and then get on to whatever else is next. Right? And so when I get home, I can say, oh, honey, you were fantastic. But I didn't stick around for the other 42 kids whose names I don't know, whose songs I didn't like. Or maybe you find yourself driving a little too fast. Okay? And by the way, can I say that I'm the chief of sinners in this whole department? Like somebody this morning, good friends, called me out and said, I think I saw you whipping by me the other day. And yeah, you drive too fast or you eat in the car, right? And it's just go, 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 go. You're at work and you're thinking, oh, man, I really need to be at home with my family. And then you get home and you're like, I got, I got work I got to get done. You try to sneak that in. You're just cramming things in. And your kids are going 100 different directions, or you're single and you can't say no to anybody, right? Anything that anybody asks you to do, it's like, yes, yes. And then you think, oh, why did I commit to that? But you're too afraid to back out. And so your life is just jammed full of stuff. 
Now, I'm excited about today's message because we're going to talk about one thing, one big idea with one application that could literally, and I know this sounds like preacher talk, but it could literally change your life. And the reason it'll change your life is because it'll change your time. And I don't know if you know this or not, but your time is your life. You know, as your time goes, so goes your life. As your schedule goes, so goes your life. Because your time is your life. And we're going to get this one big pearl of wisdom from none other than Moses. Today, we're going to camp out in Psalm 90. And when you think of the Psalms, you typically think of who? (laughs) David, right? Well, this is actually a Psalm written by Moses. And Moses, he had four different phases to his life. Let me walk you through them real quick. For the first part of his life, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. And so he had everything going for him, like, you know, the big screen TVs, fancy foods, parties, you know, that was the kind of life he was living. I mean, he lived with Pharaoh. It was amazing. He had everything he needed. But then he kind of fell out of favor with Pharaoh and Pharaoh's family because he murdered this Egyptian guy and they threw him out. And so for the second part of Moses' life, he was a shepherd. And you talk about slow days, right? When you get up, you let the sheep out. You sit down, you watch the sun go across the sky, and you round them back up, put them in the pen, and the next day it's just the same thing, and the next day, and the next day. And try to imagine this, 40 years, 40 years as a shepherd. And so he's thinking, I guess this is it, right? I'll watch the sheep die, eventually I'll die, and my kids, my grandkids will remember my name, but then nobody remembers Moses ever again. See, he had no idea we would be talking about him today. That's the second part of his life. Well, then in the third part of his life, he finds himself back in Egypt saying, let my people go, right? With all these signs and wonders and a river of blood, pestilence and plagues. And if you read the story, he's thinking, what am I doing this for? Like, I'm not even a good speaker. And suddenly he finds himself in the midst of this controversy at the epicenter of one of the biggest events in world history. And he faces down Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And then finally, in the fourth part of his life, Moses becomes the leader of a nation. So they're marching out of Egypt. They're going into Canaan, the promised land. And if you know the story, the people are murmuring. The people are complaining. They're whining against Moses. They're whining against God. And finally, God can't take it anymore. And he says, I've had enough of this nonsense. So Moses, here's what you're going to do. For the rest of your life, you're going to lead these people around in a circle, okay, until they all die off, all these whiners, all these complainers. And that's what Moses does, year after year after year after year. And then finally, at the very end of his life, he is at the edge of the promised land. And he's there with all these people. He's got the whole nation with him. And God says, oh, you can't go in. And it's like, what? I'm Moses. What do you mean I can't go in? No, you can't go in. You get to go up on a mountain and look into the promised land, but you can't go in. So this guy, Moses, he's got some perspective on time, doesn't he? And in Psalm 90, he's going to give it to us. And I'm telling you, this should be the context for every decision we make as it relates to time. Let me just walk through these verses with you. He begins with this. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. And he's talking here about the nation of Israel. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses says, God, you know 
that the arrows go in both directions. You are everlasting to everlasting. And somewhere between the bookends of everlasting and everlasting, there's me, Moses, and there's us, the nation of Israel. And then he makes this incredible statement. This is Psalm 90 and verse 3. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. (laughs) That's a little offensive to us in our way of thinking, but it wasn't to Moses. It was his way of saying that God controls the beginning and the end, that God is in control and has input into all the days of our lives. You know, most of us believe that God has something to do with the length of our lives, right? And I can prove it to you. If you found out tomorrow that you had a terminal disease, would you pray? Like if you found out tomorrow that somebody you loved had a terminal disease, would you pray for them? Now, even if you haven't prayed in a long, long time, something inside of you would cause you to lift up your eyes and say, oh, God. I mean, even if that was your whole prayer, oh, God. There's something in us that believes somehow God has something to do with the number of our days. Well, he continues, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Okay, a watch in the night, that's about three or four In other words, this is Moses' way of saying, God, you know how I keep saying, wow, the years are flying by? Well, imagine what it must be for you, God. You are everlasting to everlasting. Just imagine how time flies for God. Moses says, for me, it's like, where did the last 10 years go? But for you, God, a 1,000 years is like three hours. So my whole life, it's such a big deal to me. It's like a blip on the radar to you. And now he talks about you and he talks about me in verse 5. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Right? A little baby is born. Oh, he's so cute. She's so cute. They've got their whole life ahead of them, right? They're like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening, it is dry and withered. Moses says, God, I guess from your perspective, our entire lives that we get so jacked up about, you know, they're just like nothing. I mean, they're just like a blip on the radar to you. They're like grass that pops up in the morning and is dead by late afternoon. Isn't this exciting and motivating? Like, aren't you glad you came to church today? Thank you, Pastor Brian. So glad you're watching this morning. Well, he continues. He's not done yet. He says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them... (laughs) This is the best of our years, okay? The best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. (laughs) Here's his point. Time passes quickly. Life passes quickly. And he continues, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Now, that just seems kind of like a poorly constructed sentence, doesn't it? It's like you got three different ideas, and maybe some words dropped out in the middle. It's a difficult Hebrew verse to translate into English. So let me tell you what it means instead of just verbatim what it says here. Here's the idea. If we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence he is due. If we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence he is due. Moses is saying, God, you're everlasting to everlasting. And I'm like a piece of grass that pops up. I'm here today and gone tomorrow. So Moses kind of pauses in the midst of this grand explanation and says, whoa, whoa, if we could see God for who he is, 
we would give him the reverence he's due. Because I only have this tiny little itty-bitty slice of time to do something with. Wouldn't the most rational, logical, correct thing to do be to somehow, in my little blip of my existence, give God the glory he is due? You know, here's another way you could read this. If we could see God as he is, we would be more careful with the time we have been allotted. See, if we realize God gave us life, God gave us time. He's everlasting, everlasting. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Maybe we would rethink a little bit what we do with this gift of limited time we've been given. Moses says it's good to pause every once in a while and contemplate the brevity of life. Because in contemplating the fact that your time is limited, you know what that will do? It will eventually impact what you decide to do with that time. And then he comes to the application. This is Psalm 9012. This is the biggie. Teach us. Now, that's important, isn't it? Teach us means it doesn't come naturally for us. Teach us to number our days. Or another way of saying this is, teach us to live as if our days are numbered. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know what goes on in our heads because we kind of know better, but for whatever reason, day in and day out, we live as if we're going to live forever, right? We spend our time as if we're always going to have our kids, as if we're always going to have each other, as if we're always going to have this job, we're always going to have our parents. We spend our time as if it's unlimited. I mean, we know it's not, but we live our days as if they're not numbered. And Moses says, no, 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 that's a huge mistake. You need to learn to live as if your days are numbered. And folks, in the final analysis, this isn't really depressing, okay? This is reality. In fact, this will actually help you do a better job of living life to the full, as we'll see in just a second. Teach us to number our days. And then here's the promise. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to live as if our days are numbered so that we will gain wisdom. Wisdom about what to put into those days. Wisdom about what to take out of those days. Wisdom about what our priorities should be. When you begin to number your days, you will gain wisdom and you will gain perspective. And here's a summary of everything Moses just taught us. Remembering our time is limited provides us with wisdom to know how to spend our limited time. And the way I've kind of shrunk it down in my mind to remember this is this. My time is limited, so I need to limit how I spend my time. See, my time's limited, so I need to limit how I spend my time. And I think we understand this with money, right? With money, we really understand my money is limited, so I have to limit how I spend my money. But when it comes to time, we forget my time is limited, so I got to limit how I spend my time. Now, I'm about to do you a huge favor, okay? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast forward you to the end of your life. And instantaneously, immediately, in our time together, you are going to gain some wisdom this morning. There's a lady by the name of Bronnie Ware. She's a hospice nurse, an Australian nurse. And she has a specialty in her field. She spends time with people in the last 12 weeks of their lives. So she has spent many, many years ministering to people, caring for people within the last 12 weeks of their lives. And she stays with them to the very, very end. And what she began to do is she started in her time of ministry and just caring for these people. She asked the question, do you have any regrets? And if so, what are they? 
Well, over time, as you can imagine, a pattern emerged. So just to fast forward you to the end and give you some perspective, you can't get any other way. I'm going to share with you the top two regrets that people have within the last 12 weeks of their lives. And we'll start with the second one. All right, number two is this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Okay, probably not a big surprise. We've heard that before, right? And here's what she has to say about this. She says, this came from every male patient I nursed. Not 90%. Every male patient that I nursed. Listen up, guys. Every single man at the end said, I wish I'd not worked so hard. They missed their children's youth, and they missed their partner's companionship. She said, women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. But all the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much time, so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Hmm. You know what this means? It means if we don't learn to number our days, we will misspend our time. We will misspend our life. And we will end up with regrets that could have been avoided. Could have been avoided. All right, here's the number one regret. You ready for this? I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Isn't that interesting? I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I mean, this was a staggering thing she bumped into. And here's what she has to say about the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life was almost over and look back clearly on it, it was easy to see how many dreams had gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made. Boy, this is so powerful. You know, health brings a freedom very few people realize until they don't have it anymore. Hmm. So I just did you a favor. I fast-forwarded you to the end. So now you have the wisdom that comes from living a life as if your days are numbered. But I know what your pushback may be right now. Some of you may be thinking, but if, but, but, but if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll never make it. Well, make what? <laughs> what is it? Well, I don't know, but I'll never make it. Do you know what these people she spent time with would say to you? You better make sure you've chosen the right it. Because you can spend your entire life trying to make it only to get to the end and realize that the it was the wrong it. So I made a list of some things that we could chase without even defining what the it may be. Are you ready for these? How about this one? If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I may fall behind. Or my kids may fall behind. Well, I would say fall behind who? Fall behind what? You need to have an answer to that question if that's going to drive your schedule. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or how about this one? If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't be accepted. Accepted by who? If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't measure up. Right, measure up to who? Measure up to what? What is driving you? Like, is it possible, if you're not careful, that you could get to that stage of life where your health begins to fail and you don't have any options, only to realize you spent your entire life chasing something you never even defined? People, it happens all the time. 
Now, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you believe that there's a personal God and he has a personal plan for your life, then God has something he wants you to do. But if you're not careful, I'm telling you, you'll miss it. You'll miss it because other people will determine for you, here's what goes in, here's what comes out, here's what your priorities should be. But God has something for your family. God has something for your kids. God has something specifically for you if you're single because you have a little more time, a little more margin. But, but it's possible that that could be being filled up and taken away by other people who say, here's what you ought to do with your life. Here's how you should live. God's going, no, 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 back up. Live as if your days are numbered because in doing so, you will automatically gain a heart of wisdom. Now, I want to help you further. So I've given you a little homework assignment, okay? I want you to think about this. Here's what I want you to do. Think through these two things. One, what do I need to subtract from my schedule? And two, what do I need to add to my schedule that is not there? Now, for some of you under the subtract part, you're going to have to put a person's name there, or maybe, maybe you just scribble some initials, okay? Could be a person, could be a group of people, and they're kind of taking your time. They're stealing your life from you, and you know it. You know, if you're honest, deep down inside in your heart, you know that they're forcing stuff into your time, into your life, into your schedule, and they're stealing your time, which means they're stealing your life from you. And please hear me on this. They're not bad people, okay? They can be family, friends, coworkers, who knows? They're not bad people, but they're just taking away too much time, and you don't have anything to show for it. So I don't know. Maybe a couple, it may be friends, it may be a weekend thing. What is it for you? When it comes to living as if your days are numbered, maybe for a season someone's got to go, somebody's got to be minimized in your schedule. And then under the second line, the add part, you're going to write down what you need more of. What needs to be turned up? Think about that. Like I need more family time, need more rest, I need more exercise, more relational time, more time with God. What needs to be vamped up? What do I need to do more of? So first, what do I need to do less of? You know, maybe I can't eliminate it altogether, but I'm just spending too much time there. Or we as a couple, or we as a family, we're spending too much time there. And we don't need to throw away all the televisions, but, you know, maybe as a family, spend a little less time in front of that TV. You know, I don't have to quit golf altogether, but, you know, maybe turn that down a little bit. I know the guys are looking at me right now. They're getting convicted, okay? I love picking on golf because I don't golf, so it's easy for me, right? I don't hunt or fish either, so just hunt and fish less, okay? That's very easy. I think I have any hobbies. Oh, yeah, music and studying the Bible. That's about it. So. But here's my point. Here's my point. For some of you, this will be a life changer because it's a time changer, and your time is your life. So God, teach me. Teach us to number our days so that we might gain something we don't have, so we might gain a heart of wisdom. Because at the end of the day, my time is limited, so I need to limit how I spend my time. Make sense? Let's pray. Lord, what a powerful passage of Scripture. And who better to teach us than Moses? <laughs> who spent these 40-year <laughs> chunks of time doing different things and waiting. Lord, help us to be very careful, to really think through this, 
Because for whatever reason, we blow through life as if it's endless. We blow through time as if it's unlimited, and it's not. God, I pray this morning that as you inform how we spend our time, that we would not fall into that number one regret category, that we let other people decide for us what goes in, what comes out, what our priorities should be. God, help us to be true to the direction you have, to the vision you have for us, the desire you have for our lives. And this week, Lord, as we figure out what to add, what to subtract, we pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would give us wisdom and then give us the courage to be able to do that, to follow through on that and not turn to the left or to the right, but to stay true to who you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this week, people, repeat that verse. God, teach me to number my days so that I can present to you, so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. You guys have a wonderful week.